This is our second annual week of prayer, starting today. And during this week, we are going to be devoting our individual times of prayer more praying individually and gathering together to pray in smaller groups. So the elders want to call us as Grace Church, let's devote ourselves this week at the beginning of 2020, especially to prayer. We want to join together and pray individually for God to pour out his Holy Spirit even more upon us as individuals, upon our families, upon our church, We want to ask God to pour out his spirit even more upon other Bible-preaching churches that are here in Abu Dhabi. We want to pray for God to save our neighbors and our work associates. We want to pray for God to pour out his spirit upon the city of Abu Dhabi, save hundreds and thousands of people. We want to pray for the United Arab Emirates, for more workers to be brought into this area, for more churches to be planted. We want to pray for Jesus Christ to be glorified, his name lifted up, his glory exalted in the Middle East region. So big things we're praying for here for this next week. Now, as I mentioned earlier, those who are able tomorrow, we're asking you to give yourself to prayer and fasting, and then we will come together from three to six at the Evangelical Church building on island to pray together, and then we'll break the fast at Mushrif Mall following. And then during the week, there's around 20 smaller groupings of people to pray and make, take advantage of those. But now as I thought about what to, to preach this first day of our prayer week, I think God wants to use his word this morning to capture our hearts with what God can do and promises to do as we devote ourselves to prayer, that God would capture our hearts afresh with all that can happen as a result of of our praying during this week. So I'm going to break this morning's preaching down into three different parts. First, I want to explain why it's important for God's people not just to pray individually, but why it's especially important that we come together and pray corporately. That's the first part. Second part, I want to explain why we fast and how to fast clear up some questions about that possibly. And then third, I want to give you some practical suggestions from Colossians chapter four, verse two, on how to pray this week and in the weeks and months and years to come. So first, why is it important for God's people to come together to pray? Why is it important that we pray with others? It's important that you pray by yourself. God calls us to do that. But why is it important that we join with others to pray? So there's why are we uniting together as a church to have a week of prayer? Now remember, last week we raised the question, why should we pray if God is sovereign? That is, if God is in complete control over everything, if his purposes cannot be stopped, which is true, they can't be, and if his purposes will not be stopped, and it's true, they won't be, then why bother praying? And we saw from Isaiah 62, beautiful passage, it's been so encouraging to me, that because Jesus paid for our sins, God mercifully has chosen to give our prayers a crucial role in bringing about what God has purposed to do. 
God has mercifully chosen to use our prayers to bring about his sovereign will. There's mystery there, but the Bible teaches that over and over and over. So think about it like this. God has promised, for example, to save men and women from every nation, tongue, and tribe. That is going to happen. There is no doubt about it. We've got a picture and revelation of all of them there in the future. But God has given our prayers, your prayers, a crucial role in bringing that about. When you're in heaven and you see the men and women, children there from every nation, tongue, and tribe, you will know that your prayers caused that to happen. Another example. God has promised to destroy Satan's kingdom. We long for that day to see his kingdom fully come. He's promised to do that. But amazing, amazing honor, amazing privilege. He's called you, me, in our prayers. He's given our prayers a crucial role in bringing that about. So that when you are there in heaven and we are all celebrating the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, how Satan's been cast into hell forever with all of his demons and we're celebrating that Jesus has conquered Satan's kingdom finally, you will know that your prayers caused that to happen. Another example. God has promised to fill the earth with his glory. Don't you long for that day when the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. And when we see that having happened, that the earth, the new heavens, the new earth filled with his glory, he's given our prayers a crucial role in bringing that about. Under God's sovereignty, in God's mercy, your prayers, your prayers have been part of causing that to happen. So it's an amazing thing to think that when you kneel down to pray by your bed and you, you ask God to work, that God has given your prayers a crucial role in the fulfilling of his promises here in the world. But now I, what I want us to see this morning, building on last Friday, is not only is that true for our individual prayers, but it is also true for us when we get together to pray, and he's given a special importance a special importance to us in our corporate prayers for bringing about his purposes. He's given corporate prayer a special, crucial role in the fulfillment of his promises. Now let me give you some, some reasons I say that. Here's an example from the Bible, Acts chapter 12. Crisis, tragedy took place in the life of the church. The government officials arrested many of the church leaders, threw them into prison. And James, the brother of John, was killed for his faith at that time. Heartbreaking for the church. Imagine the fear that would have filled them. And then the government arrested some more leaders, including Peter this time. And everybody knew Peter was going to be killed next. And they had him guarded in this prison behind locked doors with four squadrons of soldiers. And he was there in chains. And what did the church do? Acts chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him. And Luke emphasizes that word earnest. Earnest prayer for him was made to God 
by the church. God's people gathered together in homes and earnestly prayed for God to intervene and to deliver his, his people. One group met at the house of Mary, the mother of John, and they were laboring in prayer for Peter's release and what happened? Read the whole chapter this afternoon, Acts chapter 12. But God sent an angel who came to Peter. The guards were all sound asleep around him. And Peter's chains fell off. And Peter went with the angel. The doors opened before the angel. And Peter was released. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Because earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now see, God did that. God, in his unstoppable, sovereign will, freed Peter from church. But God's people also did that through their prayers because God has given corporate prayer a special importance, a special role in bringing about God's work. Let me give you an example from church history. This is... Wales in the UK, the year is 1858, and Christians decided to start meeting together the first Sunday of the month to pray earnestly for a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit. The first time they met, somebody who was there recorded in his journal The first time they met, God enabled them, here's what he wrote, to pray with remarkable earnestness for the Holy Spirit to revive the church and convert the world. Wow. So there they were that first Friday, praying. They kept praying, not Friday, first Sunday. Sunday after Sunday, the first Sunday of every month, and every month, the earnestness grew. And every month, The numbers who were attending grew. Then, eight months after they started, God poured out his Holy Spirit. Here's what happened. Hundreds became concerned for their salvation, wanting to meet with Christians, wanting to go to church. Church attendance doubled immediately because everybody was, how do I be saved? The gospel spread throughout towns and factories and little hamlets and some of the darkest places in Wales the gospel was spreading into. And during this period of time, thousands came to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord and their treasure. That was Wales, 1858, 1859, 1860. How about Abu Dhabi, 2020? What could happen in Abu Dhabi 2020, 2021? God is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same forever. When God's people gather together to pray, there's a special cruciality to them coming together to pray. Here's an illustration. hope this helps you some. Let's say you have two people who are praying on their own. So those, both those people praying on their own might have a total of, say, 50 megatons of prayer power. Okay? Just bear with me here. Now, if those two people say, hey, let's, let's pray together. Okay, well, that, that 50 megatons might, might go to 60 megatons. 
Because there's something special about when God's people pray together. Don't stop praying individually. We can't always pray together. But do make it a priority to pray with other believers. Now, let me be careful in using an illustration like that because, and I, want, I hope that this is a theme you hear throughout this morning, our prayers do not earn or merit or deserve anything from God. There's only one reason God can listen to my unworthy and undeserving prayers. It's because of Jesus Christ. He paid for my sins and his righteousness covers the unworthiness and the undeservingness of my prayers so God can hear me, undeserving, unworthy, pray and God smiles because I'm clothed with Jesus' righteousness and God hears me and God smiles, he delights in that and he moves to answer. But there's nothing of our earning or our deserving. Are we clear on that church? Because we're going to make a strong point this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, relying on his grace and mercy, and God will work. But the equation moves from this to this is not worth or earning or deserving. The equation that moves from this to this is mercy, blood-bought mercy. So all the glory goes to Jesus Christ, not to the prayers. We get the joy. He gets the glory. Are we clear? Are we clear, church? Okay, let's move ahead now. So that's why we want to give ourselves to praying together. There's a sense in which we're united even when we're praying individually this week because we're giving ourselves more to prayer. We're giving ourselves to coming together, those who can, tomorrow from three to six. And then at every home group and every DNA group and smaller groups will be praying this week. Do what you can to give yourself to prayer this week, individually and together because God has given a special place to corporate prayer when God's people gather together to pray. Okay, now, what's this about fasting tomorrow? Why are we going to fast? God has created food. Food is a good thing, right? Yes, it is. Yes, he did. Let's talk about why and how do we fast. Those who are able... I will be praying and fasting tomorrow. But what is fasting all about? First of all, remember that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, when you fast. Don't mope around. Don't tell everybody how weak you are. Just live your normal life. But notice he said, when you fast. Which means that every believer will have times when we fast. But, but why? What's, what's, the, what's the purpose? How should we go about doing it? Let me start with Ezra chapter 8. Here's the setting. Ezra, Old Testament, here's what's going on. God's people were in exile in Babylon because for hundreds of years they had sinned against God. God had warned them, turn from your idols. They refused to, so finally God brought the promised judgment upon them and they were conquered and taken away in exile as exiles to Babylon. But God, in great mercy, because of what Jesus would do on the cross, said that he would bring them back. They would repent. He would bring them back to the promised land. And group by group, group by group was heading back to Jerusalem from Babylon. And God raised up Ezra to lead one of these groups back to Jerusalem. And so Ezra gathered a group of people. They were ready to leave Babylon and head out towards Jerusalem but they realized they had a problem, and that is the road 
from, from Babylon to Jerusalem was dangerous, full of thieves, full of crooks, full of murderers. It was easy pickings for criminals on that road. And so what did Ezra do? Look at Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Ezra writes and says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, which is right on the outskirts of Babylon, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. So before they departed from Babylon, Ezra proclaimed a fast. He called everyone to join together and fast and pray. And here we see the purpose of fasting. It's to humble ourselves before God so we can more effectively seek requests from God. Fasting humbles ourselves before God so we can more effectively from the heart seek requests from God. So here's the problem. Pride and self-sufficiency are barriers between us and God in prayer. Pride is a barrier keeping me from praying effectively. Self-sufficiency is a barrier. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, the book of James says. And fasting can help us humble ourselves before God. Here's how I think it works. When we stop eating, what happens? We feel weak, right? We're supposed to. It's, not a, it's how it's supposed to work. We're not feeling so strong, not self-sufficient. And, and we can use that as kind of a parable. Just as we are weak without food, much more are we weak without God. So as we fast... I have found it helpful to admit before God, just to, to, to let this weakness, let this discomfort, let this hunger humble me. Say, look at how much I need food. God, I need you far, far more. Look at how hungry I am. I should be far more hungry for you. Look at how weak I feel without food. I am far weaker without you. Help me see that. Help me to, to feel that. See, fasting can help remind us how desperately we need God. None of us here sees anywhere near how desperately we need God. We are desperate for God. If God's grace was lifted off of us, we would, it'd be a frightening thing. That's true for me, it's true for you. And so, when we experience the weakness of hunger, it helps us to understand how desperately we need God. We desperately need him. And just, I want you to think about this as we're moving into prayer this week. We desperately need God to keep us persevering in the faith. You know the old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, right? You are prone to wander. If you don't think you're prone to wander, you're probably wandering without even knowing it. It's true. We are so prone to wander. Church, we need to pray this week, Lord, strengthen us in the faith. Protect us from the evil one. Deliver us from sin. Help us. We need to pray because we desperately need God to keep us on the road. We desperately need him to save our children, don't we? 
to protect our marriages. Oh, the evil one would love to pick off marriages in this room. We, and don't think you're so strong that you can resist that on your own. Impossible. We desperately need him. We need him to provide, to secure jobs, to guide our steps. We desperately need him to empower us as a church. Nothing has happened here because of any of us here. This has all been the grace of God. We've been praying. God's been working. We need to keep praying. We need God. Grace Church needs grace, don't we? We desperately need his grace. We need him to save our neighbors and our associates. Listen, church, they they are going to hell. We have the answer by God's grace, but we can't change people's hearts. He can, and he will. We desperately need him to save people. We need him to strengthen Bible preaching churches in this area, to help churches that aren't preaching the Bible, to return to preaching the, the Bible, to build more unity between churches. We need him to save hundreds and thousands of people in Abu Dhabi, the UAE, the Middle East, to plant churches, to increase even more the tolerance. Praise God for the wisdom he's given the leaders of this country to make tolerance be a value. Let's pray that that continues and increases even more. And as Aaron prayed this morning, we desperately need him to maintain peace in this region. Not mostly or just so that we can keep our jobs. Praise God for the jobs but so that the gospel can advance, so that Christ can be glorified in the planting of churches in every country in the Middle East. Oh, we desperately need him. And see, so we desperately need him, and fasting helps us feel that, helps us see that, helps us understand that. And what happens then when Ezra and those around him fasted and prayed for a safe journey? Ezra chapter 8, verse 23 So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. They made the trip all the way from Babylon to Jerusalem with no problems, no thieves, no murderers, no problems. God heard their prayers. And in great mercy, because of what Jesus would do on the cross, he granted their requests. Now, let's be clear on what fasting is and what it is not, just to be sure we're all on the same page here. Fasting is not a way to lose weight, okay? Let's just be clear. Fasting will help you lose weight, but that's not why we're fasting. Church, we're going to lose some weight here, so we're going to have a day of prayer and fasting. No, no, no. Um, Let's not have that be our purpose tomorrow. Um, Let's have our purpose tomorrow be to humble ourselves so that we can seek from God the things we long to see him doing here. Let's have that be our our purpose. Also, fasting and prayer is not a way to earn favor from God. Did I already say that? Yes, I did, and I'm gonna say it some more. So fasting and prayer does not earn anything from God. It's not like I'm gonna suffer, and my suffering is gonna somehow make up for some of my sin, so God will love me a little bit more. Wrong, couldn't be more wrong. God hates those kinds of prayers because it minimizes the cross which paid for all of our sins. Nothing we can do can pay for any of our sins. The glorious son of God, Jesus Christ, said it is finished. He paid for all of our sins. So don't think that you suffering some will pay for a little bit of your sins. No, it's not why we do it. 
it's to humble ourselves, to see our physical weakness as a picture of our spiritual weakness so that we can pray all the more earnestly. And then he, in his mercy through Jesus, delights to answer. Also, fasting and prayer is not a way to like experience a trance or kind of connect with the, the cosmos in some mysterious, mystical way. No. The moment you, in Jesus' name, say, Father, he's right there listening. He's right there, that close. And fasting is a way to humble ourselves so we seek requests from God earnestly and dependently and humbly. So back to my, my 50 megatons illustration. Okay, let's, let's try it this way. If, if, if two people pray individually, that might be 50 megatons of prayer. If they come together to pray, that might be 60 megatons of prayer. If they come together and fast and pray, that might be 70 or 80 megatons of prayer. Do you see how that works? Not because they're earning anything, but this is just simply how God has chosen to honor our prayers as we come together and as we humble ourselves by his mercy because of Jesus. So how should we go about fasting, those of you who are able to fast tomorrow? Plan your fast ahead of time. So do this tomorrow, do this anytime you think about fasting. Decide how long you're gonna fast. Think ahead of time if you can about what you wanna pray for, and you can depart from that as the Holy Spirit leads you and gives you burdens and moves you. But plan it ahead of time. Don't think, I'll fast tomorrow if I wake up and feel like it. That doesn't work so well. Um, usually you're not gonna feel like it, but plan ahead of time for when you're gonna fast and pray. Second, drink lots of water while you fast. That's just healthy for you. So don't, don't, don't abstain from water. Third, pray as much as you can while you fast. I mean, that's the point of fasting, is to be praying. So pray as much as you can during that time. Fourth, if you get sleepy, try walking around and praying. I, I, I pace in my office a lot. Uh, pray out loud. That helps keep my mind from wandering. And also when you get tired, ask God to strengthen you. Say, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling weary here. Help me, strengthen me, help me to keep praying. He will, he loves to strengthen us as we are laboring in prayer. Okay, so first part we talked about why corporate prayer is so important. Second part, we talked about fasting, why to fast and how to fast. Now I want to, for this third part, talk about how should we pray this week. Colossians chapter four, verse two, Paul gives us three crucial phrases to describe prayer anytime, but I want to especially apply it to us as we are devoting ourselves as a church to praying this week. Here's Colossians chapter four, verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So there's three crucial phrases. First is continue steadfastly. What does that mean? It means we don't give up. We don't give up. Think about a salesman who continues to make sales calls steadfastly, even though he gets no, 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 no. He's not gonna give up. That's continuing steadfastly. Think about a marathon runner, and she's just gonna continue running, even when she hits the wall and feels it's gotta stop. She's gonna keep going, not gonna give up. That's what continue steadfastly means. It means not giving up. Now, 
what are some things that could make us give up in prayer, stop praying? And there's lots of possible answers, but let me just focus on two that I think are some of the most common. They're ones that I've, I've dealt with. One reason we can give up is because of how spiritually dull we are feeling. Spiritual dullness. And that is, you, you want to pray, but you're, you're feeling far from God. No sense of God's presence. Your, your faith is like, you know, weak, tiny, and you're distracted and you're preoccupied with this and with that and with that. And it's very easy at those times to say, wow, you know, I, you know prayer is just not going to work for me today. Maybe I'll try this next week again. Anybody else ever say that? Okay. Paul would say, continue steadfastly in prayer, even when we're feeling spiritually dull. Now, how do we do that? Well, first of all, don't pretend that you're all, you know, full of faith and God knows. He knows our hearts inside and out. So here's what I would suggest. Come to God as you are, just as you are. I find this so beautifully refreshing. And, and see, because of Jesus, we can come and say, look at this heart, I'm distracted. I'm, I'm feeling far from you. I'm not feeling like my, my prayers are connecting at all. But would you help me? Would you forgive me for my dullness of heart right now through Jesus? Thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus paying for all the dullness of heart spiritually that I feel. And would you strengthen my faith now? Would you pour out your spirit upon me? Would you fill me with your love? Would you help me to sense your presence here? God, meet me. Help me to pray. Give me strength and diligence to continue steadfastly in prayer. I once heard a pastor give a sermon on the, the, the power of unanointed prayer. Because there are times when the, if the only reason you're praying, there's nothing happening, just because just you love Jesus, and even though you feel like far from him, you want to keep praying for his glory, sometimes those prayers might be the most precious before the Lord. The power of unanointed prayer. So I would encourage you, continue steadfastly, even when you're not feeling like your prayers are accomplishing much, or you're not feeling very close to God in your prayers. Remember the man who brought the demonized son to Jesus. Love the story. And he, he brings his demonized, severely demonized son to Jesus. Demons were throwing him into fires to burn him or throwing him into, into water to drown him. And Jesus, please. And then the man said to Jesus, Mark chapter nine, verse 24, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And what did Jesus do? He delivered the boy from the demon, delivered the boy. So Jesus loves that prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. I've got unbelief in me now, help me. He will help you. So continue steadfastly in prayer. Another reason we can give up is because of unanswered prayers. Disappointment, something we were laboring in prayer for and God did not answer it. Or something we've been praying for for months or years or decades, and God has not answered. That happens, right? It does, totally does. That can discourage us. 
and make us stop praying, but, but look at what the Holy Spirit had Luke write in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I find this so encouraging. And he, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's encouraging to me because that means that, okay, we are going to be tempted to lose heart. I know that one. I've been tempted to lose heart many times, but Jesus told a parable with a specific application. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't lose heart. And then Jesus told them the parable of the unjust judge, this unjust judge, and this woman kept coming to him, and finally the unjust judge gave her what she was asking for, and Jesus' point is, if that's what the unjust judge does, how much more will God answer your prayers when you ask him? And here's the punchline in Luke 18, 7 and 8, and will not God give justice to his elect, that's his believers who he's chosen to be saved, will not God give justice to us, his elect, who cry to him day and night. So they've been praying about this for a little, day and night, day and night. This is lengthy prayer. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, God will answer prayers. Will we keep praying is the question. No prayer goes unanswered. Every prayer that's prayed in Jesus' name, relying on his death to pay for my sins and his righteousness to make me welcome before God, not my own righteousness, his, any prayer in Jesus' name will never go unanswered. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 7, everyone who asks receives. Everyone. We will either receive exactly what we were asking for or something even better. Something even better, which we probably would not have received had we not prayed. No prayer is unanswered. We will either receive exactly what we're asking for or something even better, which we would probably not have received had we not prayed. So don't let unanswered prayer keep you from praying, stop you from praying. He will answer. He has promised he will answer. Keep praying. So keep, continue steadfastly. Don't give up. Second phrase, be watchful. Now to be watchful means to be alert. And there's lots of implications of that we could have spent a whole series of sermons probably on that. But let me just focus on one application to encourage you this week, and that I find it very helpful to make sure that I'm mentally alert to what am I doing here now that I'm praying? So I'm not just going through the motions, but so I'm really engaged. And I find it helpful to remind myself, for example, I'll just start off by saying, okay, now, there is a God who exists. He's created everything. He's created me. There's a God. And I've sinned against him and deserve eternal punishment from him, but he sent Jesus. Because of Jesus' death, by faith alone, I'm forgiven. And because of Jesus' death right now, here I am in my office or where I'm driving right now, when I talk to God, immediately, instantly, he's here, he's listening. He's delighting. He's loving. He's my father. 
Father, help me. Father, right? Fathers, if your child comes to you, you're, you're there, right? Fathers love their children. God the Father loves his children. And so it just helps me to think, okay, there's a God, he's real, I'm forgiven through Jesus, and because he's my loving father through Jesus, the moment I say, Father, he's right here listening. So right now, the God of the universe is listening to me, and not only that, my prayers are gonna make a difference in the world for his glory, not because of me, but because of him. My prayers are gonna make a difference in me, in my family, in my brothers and sisters in Christ, in the lives of lost people around me. And so, so I'm being watchful. I'm, okay, here's what I'm doing. Here's what's going on here. I'm being alert to what's really happening. You see how that would help us pray? So be watchful. And then also be watchful when your mind starts to wander, which it does, right? All of our minds start to wander when we pray. Just, so you're, 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 you're hoping to kind of pray this way and all of a sudden you find yourself, you're like way over here thinking about work or your child or your, right? So what do you do? Father, forgive me. Okay, I'm, I'm back. Forgive. Help me not to do that again. I'm back, right? And he's just saying, yes, I know it's not easy. You're back, good. Keep praying, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, okay, wait, I'm sorry. I'm back. Yes, I know. I'm glad you're back. Keep praying, right? So yes, don't be discouraged when your mind wanders, although try praying out loud. It's harder for your mind to wander when you're praying out loud, right? Okay. So continue steadfastly, be watchful, and then pray with thanksgiving. Third phrase, mix asking with thanking. Lots of reasons. I mean, the most important reason why is thanking is right. It's right. God has lavished every single one of us with astonishing mercies. Thousands and thousands and thousands of mercies. None of us has come close to thanking God enough for what he's given to us. It's right. But it also helps prayer. Years ago, we had moved from one city to another city and needed to sell our house in the old city. And it was a bad time of the market. And I was out walking and praying one day by a university campus where I like to walk and pray. And I was, I was going to pray for this house, our house to sell. But here's what happens. See if any of you have experienced this, I wonder. But the more I was praying, I was thinking about, man, the market's really bad. And we really, really need to sell this house. I mean, financially, we've got to sell this house. And, and what happens if we don't sell it? Well, then this would happen and that would happen. And, and I got lower and lower and more and more discouraged. Anybody else ever experienced that when you pray? But see, if you will mix asking with thanking, Father, you have blessed us so much. You've been so faithful. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. That will remind me not just of how I, I'm hoping this house gets sold, but it'll help me see God ruling over it all. God unstoppable, right? God faithful. God merciful. And it will help me not to get discouraged, not to get worried, not to get anxious. I'll be able to say, loving, faithful, powerful, sovereign God, would you have our house sell? And so that was an important lesson I learned that morning. And I want to encourage you, mix asking with thanking. 
because it will keep you focused on God and his faithfulness and his mercy as you pray. All right, so those are the three phrases. I would encourage you to pray with those three phrases. Don't give up, be watchful, and be thankful. So let's devote ourselves, Grace Church, to prayer this week. The elders believe this is what God is calling us to do. Now you've got jobs, you've got children to take to school, you've got meals to cook and laundry to do and, and other things to take care of. Okay, right, but pray all you can. Pray all you can. Let's devote ourselves to prayer this week as we head into 2020. So carve out extra time to, to, to pray. So maybe, maybe shut down or shut out the social media. Maybe instead of television, praying, think through how could you carve out more time to pray this week? Take special time as your family to pray together. Say, kids, our, our church family, we're, we're praying this week, so we, we want to take some time and let's pray for our neighborhood right now or whatever it might be. Husbands and wives, special time to pray together. Take advantage of the small prayer gatherings that are happening during the week. Go, pray. We send out an email with all those locations. If you didn't get that, give your email to the welcome table afterwards. And then let's do all we can to gather together tomorrow at, from 3 to 6 fasting and praying through the day, coming together to, corporate, to pray, pray corporately together, and let's ask God to work. Think of what God might do, Abu Dhabi 2020, as we pray this week, by his mercy alone, but the lives that will be changed, the faith that will be strengthened, the marriages that will be saved, the sin that will be conquered, the home groups that will be branched, the churches that will be planted, the glory that will come to Christ. Think of what God will do as we pray by, by his mercy and by his grace alone through Jesus. We get the answers, he gets the glory. Let's devote ourselves to prayer. Let's stand. Pray that you would pour out upon us this week prayer, maybe like never before, that we would call upon you, Jesus Christ, ask you to work. You'd give us faith, you'd give us devotion, you'd give us boldness. We want to give ourselves to this now, and we ask for your grace to help us. In Jesus' name.